What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Skywatcher What's Up webcast. We do this every Friday, 10 a.m. Pacific, right here at the Skywatcher USA YouTube channel. We check out everything from what's in the nighttime sky to equipment to helpful tips and tricks. And of course, at the end of the month, we have special guests on to talk about their specialty in the field of astronomy. Um, first off, real quick, before we get going, uh, for those of you who watched last week, our live walkthrough through the Advanced Imaging Conference, we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us. It was the first time we did that, so it was kind of fun to bring you guys along, um, and we'll see about doing that at future events, um, but we appreciate it. If you want to go back and watch that, that is recorded here at the YouTube channel, um, just like all the other videos there. Uh, if you like what you see here, please go and like a video, subscribe, um, lets us know we're doing a good job, and it makes it worth keeping this whole monster rolling. So... That being said, um, today's a very special episode because this weekend here in the U.S., it's Memorial Day where we basically honor all of our veterans and people who have served in the armed forces for the United States military. Um, and through my uh, walkthrough of astronomy, I've met many people who've been in this and uh, have friends who have served in the armed forces, and we've got some of them here today. Um, to talk about ast how astronomy and what astronomy means to them. Um, so we're going to bring them on right now. And welcome, guys. We have uh, Joey Doherty, uh, Charles Bonifilia, and Brent Phillips, uh, current, uh, currently serving or veterans. Um, how are you guys doing this morning? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Let me make sure everyone can hear if there's any audio it's the first time i've done it with three people so if there's any audio issues let us know but it sounds good to me so um uh, so real quick um i guess just to kind of i like to ask everyone this is we'll go one at a time how did each one of you get into astronomy uh, i'll start with joey because you're on the top left of my screen oh, appreciate so. it so um funny enough uh through you know my service and through deployments um my wife and I have been like infatuated with space and um, it was something that, you know, we would always try to do is like go see the moon um, each night or as often as possible to kind of remind each other that we're still connected and we're still in the same world earth, no matter, you know, how crazy it may have seemed that we were separated um, just to connect. Um, and then our first duty station was Las Vegas and there's no night sky there. <laughs> Then we, we were in Germany, and that's overcast most of, the, most of the time. But when I got to Tucson, that's when I saw the night sky for the first time. Um, and, of course, we got a little uh, Orion star blast to Sobeyan. Um, and much like everybody else, you know, you, you point your camera at Orion for the first time or a cell phone for the, for the first time. You take a short exposure, and then you're hooked right away. So we had that thing for about a year, and we just try to keep our hands steady one night and, and put our cell phone up. And then that's when Orion came up and I think it was like a three second exposure and the blues and the red started popping. I'm like, well, what if we do 20 seconds? What if I had a DSLR, you know, what if we had a bigger scope and from there it's just like straight, straight onto it. So we've been in it since, and it's been a, a year. Yeah. I think it's been then. a year and five months and it's just a funnel of information coming at us sure. in every direction so but we love it we're addicted not stop anytime soon so nice how about you charles uh you know mine started because I'm, I'm in the, the navy so going out to sea 
no lights, domes anywhere. So my first experience in astronomy was visual. So we had to stand a, a lookout watch, you know, at night. And they give us these things called big eyes. It's like a uh, 100 times zoom binocular. Think like binoculars that are like this big. And just looking up and just seeing the vast amount of stars and you see these little clusters of everywhere. You know, we would go and look at those, not doing our job, looking for other stuff, of course. But just seeing the amount of stars that are out there that nobody has seen ever. I mean, even looking at the, the Bortle ones that are in CONUS, in the United States, it doesn't compare to what you see when there's absolutely zero light, nowhere. And you just see the Milky Way, just like this band of stars. And it it hooked me visually from there. But uh, getting into like the photographic side, that that was uh, just recent. I've probably been doing that about two years now, uh, you know, starting because I, I just took what I had from the Milky Way. It's like, let me go see if I can shoot a Milky Way image. You know, and you just hit that 30 second exposure and you see this thing light up. And now you start to see the clusters even more. And it started to, you know, just picked my interest of like, what, what is really there? And then, you know, you just started getting bigger telescopes, better cameras, longer exposures, and, and I'm hooked. I, I will never stop doing it. Awesome. And then Brent, Brent and I have known each other for a long time. We've done outreach with each other, but Brent, um, how'd you get started? Um, I actually got started. Um, I've always been interested in astronomy, but um, I'd really hit the floor running after I got out of the military and I was working over at uh, the Challenger Space Center and we had a few outreach programs that would come in and, you know, that piqued my interest looking through those telescopes, seeing what was up there. And then I finally bought one. And for me, right off the bat, I found that it was a good way to deal with uh, some PTSD issues because it's just me and the night sky. It was great. Um, and then I made the mistake of buying a T-ring adapter after being warned not to. Um, bought a T-ring adapter, put my wife's uh, 2400 on it, and took a 30-second exposure of, again, Orion Nebula, because that's everybody's first target. And it was a horrible picture. It was a bunch of purples and blues, but it got me hooked from that point. I've been trying to improve it ever since, and now I go out and, you know, I still find a way to deal with a lot of issues, but now instead of trying to get a nice 30 second image, it's, can I get 60 images that are three minutes long? So it's, it's really come a way to help me. And um, it is, it's, it's an addiction. I now have multiple telescopes, depending on what I'm looking for. One is never enough. Yeah. Uh, so being that all three of you have, or are currently serving, what are your branches? So I'm, I'm Air Force um, transportation in the Air Force. I'm, uh, I'm Navy, so I'm a, I'm a Naval officer. And I was in the Marines. So there you go. That's kind of cool that we have like a collection of different branches all together. So I'm not sure how those branches overlap within each other or how you guys like work with in, you know, if there's like a, I know there's camaraderie in it all, but I don't know if it's like Air Force sees them as this way and Marines see them as this way, and you know Navy's. The, I'm sure we don't want to start that. Each other yeah, we don't want to start time. that. We all know that's, that's brotherly <laughs> love fighting. <laughs> Brent, Brent and I will take on Joey because we're in the same department. We're good. Yeah, that. Thanks. Appreciate it. <laughs> Joey's gonna. I'll just take it. You call know, air support. Eighteen years. It's it is what it is. No, that's that's awesome. So. Um, I guess 
uh, for Charles real quick. Um, did, do you serve on a carrier or was it a destroyer? Um, so, so I on? serve on multiple ships. I've been on every platform minus two that the Navy has an in inventory, you know, except like submarine. So, you know, I've served on frigates. Uh, it's a small ship, a destroyer, small ship, uh, a light carrier, uh, which mainly like uh, services the Marines, helicopters. And I've also been on a carrier servicing uh, the, the jets that we have. So multitude of, uh, of, of items that I can go to. And then, uh, so those are obviously the naval deployments. Um, yeah. Brent, you've been deployed several times as well. Um, uh, I've only been deployed to Iraq once. Um, okay. Yeah, it, it was one time I was there for the initial invasion um, and I was severely wounded um, on June 23rd. So in about a month will be my, what we call a live day. Um, and that's also why I got into telescopes. I lost one of my eyes over there and nobody would sell me binoculars at 50% off. So I went with a telescope. <laughs> More aperture to choose from. <laughs> and then Joey, you've, you've been deployed several times as well. I have. Um, so like I, like I mentioned earlier, uh, when we were just talking, uh, one-on-one, um, so I'm in the air force. So, you know, the chair force, they call it, uh, you know, it's jokes for sure, uh, branch to branch love. Um, but because I'm transportation, when I deploy, um, I, all my deployments have always been with the army and Marines. Um, so I've done convoys in Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, I went to the Republic of Georgia and taught the Georgians how to do convoys from my experience. Um, I was lead vehicle, LVC, lead vehicle commander. Um, so my experience has been, you know, a, a different one in the sense, you know, when I come home, um, there's a disconnect from within my own branch. Um, it's hard to find people that I can relate to day-to-day uh, -day, uh, because you have, you know, their outlook on their deployments and how tough their deployments are versus, you know, what I've gone through um, and what Brent's gone through when, when it goes to uh, going outside the wire. So there's a huge disconnect and it's, it's pretty lonely as far as day to day. Um, and, and I actually connect more with people when I'm deployed because, you know, I'm around the army Marines and, and they can understand my perspective on things. Now, when you guys are, I know Charles kind of mentioned this because you've had the, the luxury of being able to see the top grade skies oh, yeah. that the world can offer. But, um, Joey and Brent, when you were deployed, um, is the night sky something that, you know, I'm obviously things can get hectic, but you know, in times where it's quiet and you can just kind of take it in, do you, do you ever remember just looking up and being interested in that? Cause what I find really interesting doing outreach is, and Brent will get this is you meet so many people from so many walks of life, um, in astronomy. And most people have, I mean, Joey, you've, you're talking about your, your daughters, um, kids get really interested in astronomy because it's just something that is almost like woven into us as people. Um, but you can talk to so many people from different walks of life and everyone has some basic interest in looking up. I mean, even when you're out there doing what you're doing, you ever just take a moment and look up and kind of 
grounds you. Yeah, so I made a I made it a habit, um, no matter what, to try to call a wife. So you know, I, I hear stories that people don't talk for several days at a time. But we had a satellite phone, a sat phone, um, that our convoy commander had under lock and key. Um, and I'd make it a point that even if I was in the middle of nowhere um, and I had time, I would pick that sat phone up, climb to the top of my truck to try to get a good signal, and stand on top and, and, and call out. And you know your your eyes you know end up finding the night sky when you're talking it and and that's where that connection is like oh did you see the moon tonight it you know looks like a, a thumbnail and you know it, you you that's that connection that's how you get centered like amongst all the chaos um when you feel like you're on a different planet being deployed you that's what centers you and that's what brings you home and realize like, like this we're all in the same sky um it's gonna be okay um, I, I will find you again. Um, and you know, and that, that's it. You know, my wife's talking about getting a, uh, a lighthouse tattoo and I'm possibly getting a ship tattoo because, because she's my light. I find her. Um, and, and that's how it is with, with the night sky. Um, it, it can definitely ooh and bring, bring you, bring you in and center you a bit when you look up, if you have that ability to. Yeah, I, I noticed when I was there, um, again, I was there in 03 and, you know, there wasn't a lot of time to be able to look up, but you did have a few moments in between digging your fighting hole for the night that you would quickly move from. Um, and I found that there was brief moments where I could actually look up at the night sky and it's completely dark. It's not, you know, out in the middle of the Pacific dark, but you're away from the area where you do get some nice dark skies, but in the distance you can see, um, the lights flickering, you can see the uh, oil that was on fire, you can hear the gunshots in the far distance. And looking up at certain times, you actually got almost like a tunnel vision, um, where for a brief moment, everything was just gone. And all you saw were the stars above you, and you can make out the constellations that you knew later would be over the home of uh, where your family was. Because I didn't have that privilege of being able to call home um, I actually only got to call home once while I was there, and that was with a satellite phone that I borrowed from a, re a uh, news reporter. And I called my parents home uh, the day before we went out on the operation where I got hit. And it was a way that I would, oddly enough, looking back, I was actually able to say bye to my mom on that. It cost her a ton of money because I had to call collect. And a collect call from Iraq to the United States is um, a bill that, I think if it was any other circumstance, my mom would have killed me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, looking up in the night sky in a combat zone, it, it gave you a momentary moment of peace from everything. How about you, Joe? I mean, I guess from, uh, um, I'm sorry, Charles. Um, I guess from your perspective, it's a little different because you're, you're not like in it. Like, you're um, not in it. Um, not, not not boots on ground, but you know, like um, a, a lot of our stories uh, revolve around a lot of the UN sanctions that we have to do at sea. So I have to deal with, you know, like uh, the Iranian Guard Navy. So they're a known terrorist organization. At any point, we'll have 50 ships around us, small ships just going in and out of us. So, you know, you look at threat, it's a huge threat for us, no matter where we're going to be at in you know, the, the Persian Gulf is where we're talking about, like Iran, Iraq, 
uh, Kuwait and all, all those areas around there. So like Brent, I was there in 03. Uh, I've done nine deployments there. So, you know, one of those deployments was one of the operations that I was doing. Uh, we do what's called a visit board search and seizure. Now they don't allow regular Navy, consider me regular Navy. This is during my, my enlisted time. During regular Navy, we would do opposed boardings. And during these times, it's a, a heightened situation where you have a nine-man team, we're armed to the teeth, bulletproof vests, and we have to go take down this ship. We don't know what's on this ship. We don't know if they're hostile, but we know that they are violating some sort of UN sanction. In this case, that ship was uh, smuggling oil and, and guns, uh, is what we end up finding out. And you know, when you're when you're when you're in the situation and you're young, it's just like, oh man, this is it's blazing. It's so much fun to do all this stuff. And then you know, I'm sure Brent can attest to this, and Joey's like, but as you get a little bit older, you have the family, and you just start to start to you know, reflect on all the stuff that you've done, it gets really, really difficult sometimes even to express it. Uh, you know, my wife talks about it. I haven't talked to my son about any of this whatsoever. So I just don't know how to, how to vocalize that to him and not scare him when it comes to a lot of stuff. You know, being, being in the Gulf is, uh, it's, it's trying. It really is. I mean, like we, we didn't have phone calls, right. When, when we did it, but it's, uh, you know, the back to the operation, like, the ship that we ended up boarding, all the all the doors are locked, so they bolted everything from the inside, so we couldn't get in. We actually had to go to their pilot house at the very top of it, break open their windows, and actually board through there. So you know, going down in two man teams, locked and loaded, you know, you you hear little clicks, and you're you're hypersensitive to everything that's going on around you. You know, and you turn around, you got a a, a rifle sticking in your face. Things, you know, perspective comes real quick when when you got stuff going on like that and you know it's okay you know we made it out of it that's fine but we still have to go out on advanced patrols where they just stick us in this 16 foot boat and they give us a handheld gps and it's like go up here wait here something comes something doesn't and uh you know you get you get the gunfire that people are shooting at us like brent was talking about the oil fields we see that out at sea as well because they, they lit those on fire there and you just you're just playing cat and mouse the entire time. And this is you know, over over three deployments that I did this. And it's just, it gets really, uh, really hectic. A lot, yeah. yeah. I have to imagine when you guys, you know, see Carl Sagan's pale blue dot, <laughs> that it probably takes a much deeper meaning to you guys. Yeah, everything does. Quote. Oh, yeah. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty because trippy. I feel like a lot of people probably including myself, you know, we get stuck in the day to day and life's troubles and stuff like that. And life is stressful on its own. Joey and I were talking about that before this, you've got your, your own stuff going on, but, and quotes like that ring true for everyone, but it's like, I guess because you guys have dealt with a level of humanity that so many people don't actually see, um, that has to ring deeper of, how we should probably work to treat each other better globally. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, one, one person told me a, an analogy of like a, a pen spring, right? So you take part of one of the, the pens, there's the spring in there, right? As long as you're coiling the spring, right? The tension's gonna be there, but it'll always go back to where it needs to be, you know, relating to, to stress. But as soon as you take that and you stretch it out, Other way, yeah. and then you're stuck, you can never get that spring to be back the way it was. And that's how, I mean, I, I, I can probably speak for all three of us here. That's how the military trains us to be 
is even though we're completely stretched and we have that fine point at the very top, we have to be able to balance everything on that fine point. And if something tips off, you know, oh, well, when it comes to that, but it's, it's really difficult. And, you know, Joey alluded to coming home. It's just after deployment, you're just, you know, things have changed. Things are, things are going on. You, you end up in like a stasis pod when you go on deployment and you're just trying to maintain that connection somehow. And most of the time, you know, you come home and there's like buildings everywhere. And it's like, you just missed out on so much, not just, you know, your, your kids' lives that's going on, but everything that's around you. And, you know, tying in astronomy to all of this, it's really just looking up and pausing for a moment, reflecting. And it's like, yep, I'm okay. My family's okay. I'm going to make it home. Mm-hmm. I have to imagine it's kind of like, uh, you know, the movie Contact with Jodie Foster, where they're talking about, oh, when you get in the spaceship and you go light years away, it feels to you like you've only been gone for a minute. But in reality, years have gone by or, you know, in her case, you know, people, you know, are gone and the life that, you know, has changed. And it's it's I'm. I'm sure it just gets interesting because you are, you're in your world, you're doing what you're meant to do and trained to do. And then you come back to the, the other world. And then it's just like, Oh, well, like you were saying, Charles, things have progressed and changed <clears throat> while you're out. For yeah, me, it was, it was really uh, surprising for me. Cause um, again, I didn't get any real phone calls home except for that one. And mail was spotty at best because in know, three, the logistics, was an absolute nightmare on the invasion. We were just moving so quick that the logistics of mail and even things like MREs and water couldn't keep up with us. So we were running low on those. So mail was like a no-show. And so I didn't have any information about what was going on, what was, you know, everything in back home. And when I came home, there was a lot that had changed. Some of my friends had moved away. Um, I had a family member who passed away that I didn't know about. Um, it just, it was, it was a night and day difference from when I left to when I came back. And for me, you know, I'd been in Iraq for several months and then come back and it was completely different for me back in the States. Yeah. I think for me, um, I had a problem with, and I got better as I, you know, with the deployments, but especially after the first deployment, um, doing the convoys, um, is the expectations I set in my head for coming home. You know, you, you have this downtime or for me doing convoys, I had a lot of time where I'm just driving and, and thinking about, you know, what I want to eat when I get home, like what I miss at TV shows and, and family. And, and then you envision like stepping off the plane and you, you got, you know, wife and kids like running up to you and, and their signs like welcome home. Um, and then, you come home and that's not reality you know your kid pushes you away she's screaming she doesn't know who you are um you go to get your first meal and they mess up your order and you're like you're thinking like this is your job if if i mess up my job people would die and there's this ego balance that you're trying to there's a lot you're trying to to balance there's so much hyper alertness and um you know i think that's what broke me and hit that switch to, to where my mental health went bad is because you're, you're, you're fighting these in, internal, not voices, but just what, what, what's happening, it, it, how you're supposed to be reacting to it because everybody in the military is trained to be a leader, 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 leader. Like that's what they push. They just push leadership, leadership, leadership on you. So 
you've got to be careful, like how you react to things. And, and you're constantly on guard. Like, am I doing this right? Am I talking right? Am I making eye connections? Am I coming too off too harsh, too soft? Um, so, so, you know, being in a truck with another guy and just talking about life and talking about like expectations when you get home and stuff like that. And you come home and that's not the reality of it. And then whose problem is that? Is that your problem or is that other people's problem? And if you can work through that and you know, my, my therapist straight up told me like the world doesn't owe you anything. And he, he's like, I know you don't like hearing that, but it's the truth. Like nobody owes you anything. You've got to figure out like today, are you good? And what are you thankful for? And, um, and that's, that's a struggle. I mean, every day I wake up pretty dark, um, not happy, um, hating life. And then as I get outside and the sun hits me and I, I, I start having tasks thrown at me, I, I'm, I can't think and, and an idle mind, you know, what they say about that. So, um, it's, it's all just, it's all just me, myself and I versus, each other in my head, uh, constantly trying to make people happy and trying, trying to be empathetic to people that have problems. Um, you know, coming home to a wife and, and giving her the due respect that she held it down when I was gone. Um, and, and you know, she's a superstar. So it, it's, it's just a lot to balance. It really is. Yeah. You've really got to find a new mission when you come back. Um, and that's what it comes down to. I, when, you know, when I started realizing how much astronomy was helping me, um, I actually started my own outreach. Um, and I went specifically to veteran communities, um, the vet center, um, trying to get them into it. Um, I went to schools and now my mission is, you know, I'm a teacher and now I get to share my experiences with my students. They know my entire background. They don't know the the gritty details they don't need to know that yeah. but when you come into classroom and you're missing one eye obviously you know you've got to lay that elephant out on the room and get that taken care of and so now i have um these these students come up to me and they ask me about the military and you know what branch is right for them and you know we'll talk about it and i have the recruiters come in and you know it's nice that now I'm part of that selection process for my students to figure out where they want to go in the military um, and get them, you know, in the way to be a good leader in the military, understand what it takes from somebody who's been their side. Um, you know, like you, I've ended up in dark places before, especially um, the loss of friends due to suicide. Uh, one of them was actually somebody who saved my own life. Um, and he ended up taking his own in 2015 and I went to a dark place. And for me, it was astronomy and it was the astrophotography and particular side of it that really helped me get through that because when I was out there and I was looking at the sky and I was doing the photography, the only thing I could think of, and part of the reason why I don't go with an automated system is keeping the system working. Is it as sharp as it can be? Are my gains where they need to be? Um, am I tracking right? Can I improve the tracking? There's always that little bit that I have to think about that keeps me away from falling into that dark spot yeah. and it lets me get through that. Yeah, I mean, you, you speak on a real good point there. And it's, I think once, you know, we all have that mental health problem and it, it feels like a loss of control when it comes to everything. You know, you know I, I went in a dark spot. I actually tried to commit suicide for me. Uh, good thing my wife was here. Um, 
but you know being able to you know touch a button and i see my mount move it does exactly what it's supposed to do it just provides reinforcement for me that yes i am in control of my own self i can control the outcome of everything that happens around me i just needed to decide to do that so i mean i i, I agree with you 100 with that astrophotography is is a a lifesaver it really is i mean i would i remember i i tried to do gardening for a while we have a uh out here and it's only on, on the on the west coast we have this uh health and wellness program it's part of the wounded warrior program yep. and mm -hmm. i remember it was like hey go try to go try to, you know focus on one thing that you can so it's like okay i'll go do some gardening and i did it for five hours and my hands were just completely blistered and bleeding just because i just got so hyper focused on one thing because you know joe as you stated it's like you're getting fired from both ends trying to make all these decisions and it just it's just ramps that stress up completely and it puts you in a place where you don't want to be. You know, I mean, from when I went from my enlisted side and crossed over to the officer side, I've had a multitude of jobs and the amount of stress and responsibility just continues to ramp up. Yep. And I know you guys have the same issue where you have the, uh, the, we call it the golden child, Kevin. And I was that person and I'm getting out of the Navy now just because I can't handle all of that anymore. I mean, I look at everybody around me, it's like, you know, you're supposed to be doing this, but I'm doing your job. It's like, yeah. and it's just more and more and more. And it's just how far can they stretch you until you break? You know, there's, you know, one of the jobs I held was a, it's called an air defense officer. So my responsibility was for 7,000 people to create this air defense plan if someone were to attack us. And I had to do that every single day during these deployments. And it's just, it just starts to wear on you so, yeah. so much. Sorry, my mic was muted. So anyway, rewinding that, um, what I was saying about that is um, you kind of hit on it, but I that's kind of the topic I was looking for today was where how does astronomy bring you that solace, that peace, that grounded uh, place for you? And obviously, uh, Charles, you mentioned it's because you have control over the system. And yeah. Um, but I'd be curious to hear from all of you, like, what about it brings you to where you're at now? Because, uh, Brent, you've started your own outreach program, obviously. Uh, Joey, you've got Three Sisters Astronomy, which is exploding. Um, yeah, we're trying to do outreach do as well. <clears throat> yeah, so, but I, what about that? Um, like, what deep down in you is why this? I think for me, it's, the realization that what we're looking at are things that happened thousands and millions of years ago. We're seeing things that no longer exist the way that we see them. And that really does put into perspective of how small my own personal issues are. Yes, I have PTSD. Yes, I have all these other <laughs> issues. But when I look up, there's that solace that, you know what, there are other issues out there. There's stars exploding. There's things that, you know, we still haven't discovered. And the universe is so large and so vast <clears throat> that in the cosmic realm of everything, my problems are almost non-existent in the universe. And that helps me to realize that, okay, now I can move forward because what I think is a big problem really isn't a big problem. No, that's, 
that's big. So how about you, Joey? So for me, I'm not <clears throat> so much a spiritual person, but that is spiritual to me. So looking at something that's infinite, asking like, what if, what if, what if, you know, uh, what's out there? It, it's almost unfair to not know. Um, but it, it, like I said, it's, it's humbling. It's centering. Um, it's amazing. I don't know. I, I, I don't think I've met anybody or, or pulled anybody over to my scope and, and showed them something. They're like, yeah, I mean, the, the, the mind is just blown. And, you know, even with, with, with the moon, you know, just seeing the moon, um, if you actually look at it, it, it through an eyepiece even and see that 3d globe look, um, and, and that's, that's why I respect the observing side of it, showing somebody something through the, the eyepiece for the first time, seeing the rings, you know, seeing the, the little, um, the, not the little, but you know, the storm on Jupiter, um, and then having a live stack pop up, you know, it, it's just so many different experiences that you can, can get from it. Um, and seeing like the ISS, every time I get a notification on my phone through my app, that the ISS is flying over. I look at to see like the trajectory of like how it's going to go over <clears throat> or the orbit in which it's going to go over. And all the kids and I run out and, and look at it and it just never gets old because there's people on that thing. They're like, they're there. What are they doing right now? Are they sleeping? Are they, you yeah. know, <clears throat> it's, it's, it's endless imagination. It's endless. What ifs. Um, uh, and, and it's just a mystery. It's it's magic. It's a, a magic for not just kids, for yeah, adults. I, <clears throat> go ahead, Brett. I like to call it the wow factor. I think I've talked with you on several outreach programs about that, Kevin. Um, and the wow factor is somebody who comes up to the eyepiece and you can just, you physically see their jaw drop when they look through it. Um, and one of the, the most memorable moments I had on one of my programs is I had an 80 year old woman who came up to my eyepiece and I was on Saturn and, you know, you, you do this long enough and you start taking certain targets for uh, granted, you know, Saturn, you take for granted, Jupiter, Orion, things like that. But she looked at Saturn and actually started to cry because she was 80 years old and it was the first time she had ever seen Saturn with her own eyes that wasn't in a book. And it's like, okay, that's why I do these outreaches. It's, for that wow factor well that's what's kind of cool because it's you know you guys have had so many experiences in your life that so many people won't ever see some of those good some of those bad but all of you have kids you've all shown them something through your telescope and they've probably been like that's really cool but for that like brief moments like you got to expand someone's universe for them you helped someone discover something they didn't know was there before mm -hmm. so and that's something i really like with outreach but it's it's something that gets taken for granted a little bit especially when you do it a lot but like brent said every now and again you get someone where it's just like oh yeah like but you you took the time maybe your day was just total trash and you're going through it but you go out there set it up you're not into it and someone comes up to that and you just opened up someone's mind to something they may have not even considered they would ever get to see but you were the one that was able to gift that to somebody yeah i think so. it really provides a, a connection that's missing 
I mean, we're, we're all in our own, you know, tunnel vision, doing our thing that we have to do daily. But it, for that one brief moment, we connect two people together or connect multiple people together. And it shows exactly how we're supposed to be with each other. You know, I get, I get, I'll, I'll go outside every night and I'll look up and I just get immense joy because I know what's out there. I know, I mean, of all the images that I've taken, that's what I see now. I don't see this dark canvas. I don't see just specks of stars everywhere. I see a colorful mural of what's actually out there and expressing that to people and like showing them these images that we take and, and people are just like, well, this isn't real. It's like, no, it's absolutely real. And you slew your telescope to it. You know, it may look like a, a gray blob for us, but that's what it is. And that's where it is right there. Yeah. I think it's cool for you, Charles. It's like, you've gotten to sail all across the world. You've sailed on all these seas and seen parts of the world, but now through your telescope, you are sailing on the most immense ocean that no one that and your images that you capture and we all capture these images it's like you are bringing back like here is my proof of what i've seen in the nighttime sky even if you can't see it or imagine it like look at it through my eyes and this is my universe and oh, you yeah. get to share that with people it's yeah, pretty it's awesome amazing. yeah some, some of the times when we go out so uh just just previously probably like a couple months ago i would take people out on tours on the ship that i was on and i have you know have the green laser light we'd be off the coast of la so you can see the light dome there but know you face west and i'll just start giving like little star tours of what's around and you know uh joe you talk about the iss when you see the iss and and pitch dark skies mortal one skies it's like the thing's on fire it it is reflected so much it's just moving by and people are looking at it, it's like oh there's a ufo i'm like no let's talk about something real quick this is <laughs> you know this is the iss and like well what's that and you get to have this dialogue with them and you get to open up their mind to something that's completely different uh, from what they're used to. And it's just, it's a, it's a good conversation to have with people. You know, it, it just takes their, their, their viewpoint and expands it into something that I think everybody needs right now. But actually it yeah, brings up, especially uh, when you, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. So. Uh, I, was, I was just going to say, especially when you uh, go out there with the live stack programs, Mm -hmm. And you show somebody a piece of the sky, like where the uh, horsehead nebula is at. And you're like, they're looking and all they see are stars. But then you look over at the live stack of the same target and there's this gorgeous nebula there yeah. that they can't see with their own eyes. And it's like, look, this is really up there. You might not be able to see it, but it's there. And some people, it's just the amount of amazement they get from that is, is incredible. Oh, yeah, I, I, I'm sure you guys have the same thing. Every time I get my my 10 minute exposure is done and I see it, I'm zooming in on everything because it's just, even though I may have taken that image before, there's something new that I, I didn't see before, some small little detail. And it's just, it's like I'm a kid again because, you know, my, my son, he, he feeds off my enthusiasm, my, my joy that I get from this. You know, my wife, she wants to see the finished image, but I'm still over there. It's like, look at this black and white, how, how awesome this is. No, and I, I have to imagine, I know exactly that feeling. I can relate to on that, where it's like you're watching the stupid exposure bar coming yeah. up, and then it's like, here it, it comes. <laughs> so then it, it pops up, and you're just like, yes, there it is, pinpoint stars. But I, I have to imagine that's also pretty cool because it's, you know, 
PTSD and all that stuff, you get to that point where it's like I'm in this weird spot. But astrophotography has a good way of kind of proving that point where it's like, yeah, it's, it's dark right now, but just wait till it's done. Yeah. Like, give yourself a minute. Because in a minute, you're going to see what that light, what light is actually there. Even in the darkest point of space, there's some kind of light that you can pull out of that. Yeah, so. that's a good, good perspective for all of us. But um, so because there's three of you, um, we do questions at the end of the webcast and we're at that 20 minute mark. So for those of you who are watching, now's the time to do it. But we're going to start a little early because there are three of you and you guys have really good answers for a lot of it. Um, First question is, how did astronomy help you readjust to civilian life? Or, um, let's see, or for those of you who are still um, active, um, how does it help you adjust back to civilian life? Hmm. I think with, with that one, I mean, I'll, I'll speak to that. I mean, for me, I mean, I do a, a, a small outreach with just like my neighborhood area. It's uh, It's allowing me to one, we all have different speak in the military, right? So for me, you look at a wall, I say bulkhead, right? It allows me to remember how, how to actually talk to people in, in their own speak and not, you know, not use all these, uh, we use acronyms, everything in the military. It allows me to actually become uh, normal again, because you're in the military so long, you become uh, trained, you get raised in the military, so you are taught and you've grown up in the military, you lose a sense of what it means to be normal. So allowing me to actually talk to people and, you know, in their own speak, and even it's, it's best when I have like little kids come up, because then I have to really take my, uh, my lexicon down to their level. And it allows me just to be able to, you know, take, take, take the uniform off for a little bit and, and be a normal person. Yeah, 100%. Um, when you get out, you'll notice veterans always hang out with other veterans because that's who we understand. That's who can we communicate best with. Um, doing this outreach program, you're, you're forced to be in a situation where you're talking with people that aren't always veterans, and it opens it up. It makes you feel a little bit more comfortable talking with, you know, non-veteran community. Um, so yeah, I agree 100% with you on that, that it, it allows you to take that uniform off for a minute. <clears throat> for me, um, with my anxiety, um, it forces me to interact with people. I mean, I took the entire day off today just for this, because mm -hmm. I knew the anxiety going into it, it's gonna make me feel like I just ran a marathon when I'm done with it. And as happy as I, and excited as I am, and I know this is important to do, um and it brings me joy getting here uh the anxiety built up going into it is what it, it kills me um so i can't just be at my telescope by myself without sharing this i have to call up the kids i have to call up the wife i have to try to go live and, and hold my cell phone up I, I want to experience this with other people and i want to hit that next tier where it's not just astrophotographers the community is amazing. I, I love everybody in it. Um, I consider them more family than my own family. Um, and then being, you know, stationed out here, I, I, we have no family uh, locally at all. There's nobody on the street um, for us. So <clears throat> I want to hit that next year where I'm 
bringing civilians in and saying, look at this world, you know, this is, this is not make believe this is not CGI. This is look through the eyepiece. Now come over here. Now watch this live stack pop up and blow people's minds and, and inspire more people to look up because I think it, it, it is important for, for, to center everybody off of the night sky. Um, it's hard to get mad unless you got a problem with your equipment when you're looking at a at a sea of stars and you're just saying like this is infinite every star that you see could possibly have a planet orbiting it it is completely you cannot comprehend that you cannot mm -hmm. um you can't get bored with that um so for me you know tying in the civilian aspect of it i've got to find a way to tap into that to pull people in sidewalk pop-ups parking lot pop-ups virtual star parties, um, doing it for kids, doing it with people with mental health issues, doing it on base while I still have access to the base. Um, that's what it's about. And, and with my anxiety, it's not about having a hundred people around me. It's about, you know, small control groups, just, you know, like two scopes and my, the wife and kids are interacting with people. And while I'm showing people stuff, I'm also learning because I don't know anything about astronomy. I'm, I'm going backwards. I'm, I'm trying to play catch up with processing, with with everything, with astronomy, with constellations. Um, and from somebody that was living out of the car, homeless, um, joining the military, you know, the education piece is not there and, and I'm trying my best to catch up. So for me, that's the connection to the civilian sector. Nice. Uh, let's see, a lot of questions today. One we're gonna leave till the end because it'll make all of you laugh. Um, uh specific skills from the military training or experience that you use in astronomy or vice versa uh we in the navy we have to learn uh celestial navigation so you know finding the uh the objects in in the night skies was was, was relatively easy for me um that's about it that's all i got for that i was military police so i got nothing that's I yeah I got something. So I'm actually, I'm actually upset with myself because uh, Deep Sky dude, he, uh, he he's an astrophotographer, um, and he's pretty awesome. But he does he does um, observation and live streams with NVGs, night vision goggles. And I'm kicking myself in the head. I'm like, what? I, we're busy playing around with each other uh, with the NVGs, you know, playing pranks on each other and stuff. Back when I was deployed, I was like, imagine if I would have just looked up with those things. You know what I mean? Now you got to spend five grand to get that experience. I know. And imagine yeah. if I, you know, accidentally lost a pair and somehow I actually found that when I came back home. But oh, no. Never know. But yeah, yeah, I just, it just, that's I'm the only thing lost. I'm like, I see, I see his live streams all the time and I'm just like, man, why didn't I look up? I was so busy looking forward and, you know, hitting people in the face with lasers and stuff and trying to blind them. And playing pranks on each other but you had the chance joey you had the chance would have had a chance um <laughs> uh, let's see this one this one might be more uh for charles you kind of just touched on this one when i was in we did land nav this is in the late 90s mm -hmm. we did use a little of the night sky for finding the north star but are they pushing more training for astronomy these days for land nav or navigation in general? Uh, I, I'd have to defer that one to Brent. For the for the Navy side, we uh, we actually went away from celestial nav uh, for about ten years, 
And just recently within the past, I'd say five years, anybody that stands a, a bridge watch where we're actually controlling the ship is required to have a class in celestial navigation now, uh, just in case, because there's, you know, I, I can't get into the reason why, why we do that now, but we do that now for certain reasons, just in case we lose our, our satellites that are telling us uh, where our GPS is actually at. Yeah, it, we didn't do a lot of that um, celestial navigation. We got basic training on it on how to find the North Star so that we could find our latitude of where we are. Mm -hmm. But outside of that, mm -hmm. that we got no training on it. Uh, next question. Have you done any VA-oriented outreach? Um, no, not yet. I have not. Not yet. Cool. I have... Um, I've done a couple of solar events for the vet center in Mesa um, for the veterans they have there. And then I've also done a couple of outreach programs for um, other veteran organizations, such as like Honor House, um, which is out here in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and things okay. like that. But yeah, I've done a few of them for the veteran community. Uh, do them at a different location, though. When I did an outreach for mm -hmm. Honor House, I actually did it at a bar. That was that was interesting. Hey, it opens up the mind. Did it for the Greeks. They made all those constellations. So, you know, worked for them. So mental lubrication is what I like to call alcohol. So <laughs> you go either way with that. So uh does the military remind them of any wait, hold on. Does this hobby remind them of anything they do in their military work? Uh, no, I, this is completely opposite from anything that I've done. And I think that's a, a big reason why I, I fell into astrophotography because I wanted something completely different. I mean, I'm so used to the rigor of getting up at, you know, five o'clock going home at, you know, 6 PM, 7 PM, cause it's 12, 13 hour days for us. And I just want to just shed all of that. Yes. I'll take all the experiences I, I kept and all the people that I have there, you know, you, You'll, you'll be shocked at like the camaraderie that is built within that community that we're all we're all part of but once you're done you want to just you you really just want to get away from it i mean you get the people that go right back into them some some kind of contractor job and it's just it's not the same when it comes to that and doing astrophotography it allows me to have that that avenue of escape uh that that just continues to feed me and i just go keep going down that path yeah. Uh, let's see. Did any of you want to add anything to that, or you just the uh, the space force jokes aren't funny anymore? Oh for me. yeah, well, <laughs> Star Trek. <laughs> We're actually working the Air with. Force um... is just happy that there's somebody that gets picked on more than them now. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> the outreach group I'm working with now, um, they they have. Uh, I forgot what she is, but she is part of Space Force, so um, she comes in and talks and presents about that too. But I am not going to say anything beyond that because it is not my place to say anything beyond that. I leave that with these gentlemen right here. That's where that will end. So, so uh, okay, here's the one that everybody wants to know. I'll make sure I didn't cut miss any of the oh wait here's some i'm sorry uh this is for brent uh being a former uh marine corps mortarman 
uh you'll know what this means zero three four one eighty ones um doing a polar alignment on an eq6r with the sky guider pro reminds me of sighting in a gun um i didn't know if you related to any of that but yeah but i've actually moved away from doing um manual polar alignments like that and i started doing the um, assisted polar aligns because no matter how good i was at polar alignment um, there are programs out there that are a million times better than i am and a lot of my trails my star trails started to disappear when i did that but yeah it's pole master <laughs> it is very similar to you know sighting in uh let's see okay here here's the one everybody wants to know about um any thoughts on supposed ufo sightings while deployed <laughs> so the navy we see all kinds of stuff out there we don't know what it is um a lot of the times uh personal experience i've never seen anything other lookouts that we end up having they claim to see things not flashing lights you know they're out there uh, a lot of the times we see now is we're getting a lot of drones that are coming out, like the little uh, DJIs that are coming out. A lot of ships will have those, and it's a, it's a real big threat for us, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of the things are, are explainable. Uh, on the carrier, uh, we have this, uh, this area called Civic. That's where the pilots come in and they download all their stuff. There is stuff on some of their, their uh, in-flight cameras that they have, but we don't ever get to see it. Yeah, I... I think when you're here long enough doing this, you start to learn what just about everything is. Um, like I remember when I first started in this hobby and I started looking up, you know what satellites look like. They're the steady yeah. lights. But the first time I saw a tumbler, that completely threw me off. I was asking around, I'm like, what is this? And you know, a tumbler is nothing more than a piece of space junk that's tumbling and catching the light. <clears throat> it's got the path of a satellite. It's a speed of a satellite. It's just flashing. So, yeah, I think at the end of the day, everything ends up with an answer. I just want to believe. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I know. I, yeah, I, I see, you know, I, I, I try to put these these things together, uh, but it always just ends up being satellites or or something um, like you said, like the tumblers or. But, yeah, man, one day I would love to just look up and be like, I see one. I see it. <laughs> and it's on my camera. But yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so this will be the last question because we all have to talk about this. What's your favorite piece of equipment? Oh, mine's mine's the uh, the autofocuser. It allows me to sleep at night, and I can just set it and forget it. Um, my favorite, um, my favorite piece of equipment. I I actually have two of them. Tell you the truth. Um, I've got a solar scope, um, a 90 millimeter solar scope that I absolutely love um, being able to look at the sun. But then I think my favorite nighttime scope is my um, 1100 uh, edge that I have. Um, To me, that's a great platform. It's three focal lengths in one. And I absolutely love using all three of them. I was about to hit you because I thought you said you were about to say you got an AP 1100. It's like, when were you going to tell me that that happened? <laughs> no, 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 not yet. Soon, someday. So, so for me, um, 
it's hard because I have loyalty to uh, Adama. Uh, that's the name of uh, my telescope, Adama, and Laura is the guide scope uh, from Battlestar Galactica. Um, it's it's the first scope that got us um, that you know we started astrophotography with. I mean, we we took the picture with our Orion Star Blast, but when we made the uh, T ring and DSLR connection, it was on that thing. Uh, but the most beneficial game changer would have to be the uh, the mount uh equatorial mount versus you know the fork mount that we had um and of course the uh skywatcher uh eq e6 eq6r pro mm, that um, is a great mount that's what i'm using and, <laughs> and 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 that that to me was a that that's a game changer i mean the, you talk about exposure times you talk about everything i mean you could you could put a cell phone on the piggyback a cell phone off and you'll get you're gonna get something um just a, something taken care of of balancing and you know, as you go along, then you're like, oh, guiding. Now that's another game changer. But when when you're talking about it, the most important piece of equipment to me is the mount because I could put, you know, something from Toys R Us. Well, those are closed, but I could put, you know, a twenty dollar scope on there and, and do a long exposure. I'm gonna get something out of it. Um, so the telescope is secondary to me, uh, to to the mount itself. Yeah, three most important things in astrophotography: mount, the mount, and the mount. So, Basically, yeah. And, and the EQ6R is a great mount. Um, I think I can speak for every single one of us uh, that we're all drooling over that EQ8, though. Oh, I wish. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're. I all have one, over Brent. If one. you want to drive over here and borrow it for a while, let's sit. Hey, here. it's summer. <laughs> I will come down there and borrow that. Make sure because the mount is black make sure you cover it up during the day or you're gonna like cauterize yourself i've got a dome oh well i don't good for Lucky. you so i can't put like... one of those on base that's the next thing yeah. i want just dig that yeah, wait till i retire what the heck is joey building on the base nothing yeah. just don't ask just keep going don't so. worry about it <laughs> it's classified so um awesome well that pretty much wraps up our hour uh Thank you to all three of you for sharing a lot of things that obviously went very deep. I appreciate you taking the time um, out of your days to hang out with us and being a part of this. Uh, thank you for your service. Uh, Charles, congratulations. You are four days away four from days, yeah. being done. So it's exciting. Congra yep. Congratulations. Uh, congratulations on that. Thanks. Um, but it is really a privilege to talk to all three of you, Joey. I hope to actually get to meet you because you're two hours away. So, Absolutely, yeah. um, Charles, I will hum, someday we'll be in San Diego and we'll track yeah, you yeah. down. But, um, I know you guys have a lot of, uh, brotherhood within, uh, the military, but I've met some of the most amazing people in astronomy as well. I hope that astronomy gives you some kind of connection with other people. And it's a privilege to be able to talk to you guys about gear and hang out and have that camaraderie uh, as well. Can I just say one thing real quick? Go um, for it. So just really important that this is Memorial Day. It's not Veterans Day. Um, it's not so much about, you know, the people that are serving, but it's about the people that we've lost. Um, and, you know, rest in peace. We, we miss everybody that we've lost along the way. So. Yes, thanks for clarifying. <clears throat> I, I messed up. No, you're I good. Yeah, I appreciate earlier, it. But thanks for clarifying that. I was, it comes better from you anyway. So. Nah, it, it happens. I, I don't know one person that really gets offended by it. No, no, not at all. So, where you're completely understanding of it. 
All right, guys. Well, I'll let you get to your weekend. There's no moon. You should go out and shoot some freaking pictures this weekend. Because, you know, Charles and Joey and Brent are probably going to hop on that. So, chop, chop. So, yeah. they can do it. You should be, too. Um, anyway, uh, thanks very much, guys. Uh, have a great weekend. And uh, I will hopefully chat to you guys here soon. And for the rest of you who are watching, Clear Skies, have a great weekend. And uh, be thankful for what you got. So, Clear Skies, see ya. Bye. Have a good one.